you would look with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians to chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Our subject is the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. Lord willing, we'll be partaking of the Lord's Supper shortly. I wanted to bring a message on the Lord's Supper. Uh, hope all of us here are familiar with what the Bible has to say about this ordinance of the Lord's Church, but we go over it once again. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'll read verse 1 and verse 2 to begin with. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. The Lord's churches have been given two ordinances, and I'll emphasize only two, that being baptism and the Lord's Supper. The word ordinance, as you find it here in verse 2, actually means in the original language, tradition. Paul says in the original language that the church of God at Corinth was to keep the ordinances or the traditions as I delivered them to you. Many want to draw back on that word tradition, but it is a biblical word that is translated here, ordinances. A tradition is a doctrine or a practice which is handed down from one to another. Just keep that in mind. It is a doctrine or a practice, a teaching that is handed down from one to another. In the scripture, the word tradition can be used in an evil sense or in a good sense. You'll hold your place here in 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read in Mark chapter 7. And you'll notice here how the word tradition is used in an evil sense. Mark chapter 7 and in verse 3. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the traditions of the elders. If you drop down to verse 7, how be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandment of God, Ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them full well, Ye reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own traditions. Verse 13, Making the word of God of non-effect through your traditions which ye have delivered, and many such like things ye do. Here is it an evil tradition used in a way that stands against the word of God. In a good sense, it's used in our text 
in 1 Corinthians 11 and in verse 2. Paul said, and he's admonishing the church of God at Corinth to keep the ordinances or traditions as I delivered them unto, uh, to you. Now keep in mind that Paul is saying, I gave something to you. I paid something on to you. In verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11, Paul said, For I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you. Notice tradition, keep in mind the definition, it's something that's handed down from one to another. Jesus came with a commandment from God his Father, what he should say and what he should speak. Paul said in verse 23, I received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you. So it comes from God the Father, Jesus Christ, here to the Apostle Paul, and Paul delivers it unto the churches. So you have the word tradition used here in a good sense. Look in your Bible, if you would, to 2 Thessalonians and in chapter 2. In 2 Thessalonians and in chapter 2, notice what is written in verse 15 as Paul writes to the church of the Thessalonians. Chapter 2 and in verse 15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. And I'll remind you again of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15 and in verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and in verse 3, Paul says here, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. Notice how it's passed along here by the Apostle Paul. And one more reminder, Galatians in chapter 1. Galatians and in chapter 1, now read verse 11 and verse 12. Again, Paul writing to the churches of Galatia. And in verse 11 he wrote, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of of Jesus Christ. And again, he received it from the Lord and he passes it on unto the churches of God. Therefore, in the strict sense of the word, and uh, in, in a good sense of the word, Paul's teaching can rightly be referred to as tradition, inspired tradition, Revelation from God, but yet still tradition. Now back in our text in 1 Corinthians in chapter 11, and I'll go to verse 2 again, some very important words 
as we relate it to the Lord's Supper and certainly unto everything else. But here in verse 2, Paul said, Now I praise ye, brethren, that ye remember me in all things. And then he said, And keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. The Lord's churches are not at liberty to alter the ordinances. They are to be kept. And if you notice that word keep in verse 2, it means to hold fast. The churches are to keep the ordinance, hold them fast, just as they were delivered. Again, we use the word ordinance in that sense. Another sense in which we use the word ordinance is because an ordinance is defined as a decree or a, an authoritative order or command. An ordinance is a command. It is a decree from God. I mentioned the two ordinances of the Lord's church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Baptism, the baptizing of believers, is a command of the Lord. Again, it's an ordinance. It is a decree from the Lord. You remember the commission in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we're to go into the world. We're to make disciples, and Jesus said, baptizing them. He gave an order, baptize believers. Well, when you come to the Lord's Supper, it is a command from the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, notice in verse 24, toward the end of the verse, you'll find that Jesus said, This do. Very simple command. This do. You find the same thing in verse 25. This do. Churches who do not observe the Lord's Supper are in direct rebellion against the command, the ordinance, of the Lord. Now these two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, have been given exclusively to the Lord's churches. No one else has been commanded or authorized by the Lord to carry out these ordinances. And I'll also add this, only members who are in good standing of the local church observing the supper are to partake of this ordinance. That's important. That's important to, to keep in mind. Now, why do I say that? Well, first of all, the command is given in Scripture to the Lord's churches and its local churches. Here in our text, it's the church of God at Corinth. That is a local, visible church. But I'll also remind you that when Jesus instituted this supper, 
he met in the upper room with his church. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew and in chapter 26, and I'll read verse 12. Excuse me, verse 20. Matthew 26, verse 20. Now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. Those are the ones he had called out from all of his disciples. They were his, in the original language, ecclesia. He sat down with the twelve. Well, the question arises, what about Judas? Did he partake of the Lord's Supper? Well, if you go back to our text in 1 Corinthians in chapter 11, and I look at verse 23, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 23, For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Now just a little bit of study reveals a lot. The word betrayed used here in verse 23, in the original language as it was given is in the present tense, and it means the same night in which he was being betrayed. Even while Judas was in the very act of betraying the Lord, Jesus and the eleven that were left there observed this supper. Jesus instituted it with them. Now, keep in mind, it's for the local church as Jesus instituted it and observed it. Mary, his mother, who was in Jerusalem at that time, was not there. Mary Magdalene was not there. Joseph of Arimathea was not there. The other 70 disciples of the Lord were not there. He assembled with his church. Now I emphasize this again. It is a church, local church ordinance. Many are confused in this matter, and I've known of churches that have had great divisions in, in this matter. For some hold that it is a Christian ordinance in which all Christians, no matter what, what stripe they are, what belief they are, that they can come and partake of the Lord's Supper. They fail to realize it's not just a Christian ordinance, it's a church ordinance. It's a church ordinance. And it is to be observed by the local church. As a preacher I heard many years ago say, it's for the church that sets the table, the local church church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In our text in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, I'll mention this. Both ordinances of the Lord's churches, 
or preach much. The ordinance says themselves, without anything being said vocally, just the ordinance themselves, picture and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the ordinance of baptism, you have the great picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 11 and in verse 26, Paul did write this, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Now, I'll just insert this. How do I know there'll be some of the Lord's churches upon this earth until Jesus comes back? This verse here is sufficient. His churches will be observing this supper, and in doing so, they will be proclaiming, showing forth his death until he comes. A.T. Robinson, a noted Baptist scholar, said this about the words in verse 26, you do show the, the Lord's death till he comes. He said the Lord's Supper is the great preacher of the death of Christ until the second coming. And so it is. Well, we come to the elements of the Lord's Supper. The elements of the Lord's Supper are symbols both of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's important. The bread, the wine that we will partake of in the Lord's Supper are symbols of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We had better take it seriously. It is a serious matter that we are dealing with. In verse 24, And when he, speaking of Jesus, had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. And we're told that Jesus, in verse 23, took bread. He gave thanks, break it, told them, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. And the bread that we partake of symbolizes the, the, the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hold your place and look in Luke chapter 22. And notice how Luke records this. In Luke chapter 22, and in verse 19. Luke 22, and in verse 19. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Luke says, which is given for you. In our text, which is broken for you. Again, this do in remembrance of me. Now back in our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 
in verse 25, After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. This do in remembrance of me. I'm going to read a couple of other places. I'm going to go back to Luke 22 and then to Matthew 26. Luke 22 and in verse 20, Luke records it, Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. If you look in Matthew chapter 26, notice verse 27 and verse 28. Matthew 26, verse 27. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many, for the remission of sins. Now I'm going to mention this. Concerning the bread, Jesus said, this is my body. Well, the bread that he did break that night in the upper room was not his actual body. But it symbolized his body. The contents of that cup that he took, and he said, this is my blood, it was not the actual blood of Christ in that cup. But what was in the cup symbolized the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those that hold that somehow mystically and magically the bread is actually transformed into the literal body of Christ and the contents of the cup into the literal blood of Christ. I just remind you, that would be cannibalism. If that were true, all who partake of it are cannibals. You're drinking the blood of another be human being and eating the actual body. It's not so. But it is symbolized in our text. Now, I go back to 1 Corinthians in chapter 11 again. Having said what we have said thus far, and I hope we realize the importance of this ordinance and the importance of us taking it very seriously, note in verse 27, wherefore. Keep in mind what he had said up to this point. Then he said, wherefore. And we need to make sure we consider the wherefore. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And I'll say again. Since the elements of the Lord's Supper represent what they do, we need to take great care in the observance of 
the supper. In verse 29 of our text it says, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now in both of these verses, verse 27 and in verse 29, you'll find the word unworthily. And we can be certain that Paul is not saying that in order to partake of the supper, everyone must be worthy of doing so. If that were so, no one would be able to take the Lord's Supper. And I mention this every year. The word unworthily in verse 27 and verse 29 is an adverb, not an adjective. That's important. Maybe you'll go back to your early school. You learned that in and very early in school, what an adverb was. It describes the action, not the one that is partaking of the supper. The church of God at Corinth was guilty of partaking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. If you look back to verse 17, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 17. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise ye not, that ye come together not for the better, but for the worse. Now wouldn't that be something for an apostle of the Lord to tell one of the Lord's churches? He said, when you come together, it's not for the better, it's for the worse. Well, they had a problem with the Lord's Supper. For first of all, verse 18, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, in the one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Those words literally mean you cannot, it's impossible for you to take the Lord's Supper in the condition and state that you were in. They had a problem. They had a, a, a big problem. Look at verse 21. For or because in eating everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. You think they're partaking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner? I think so. Notice what he said in eat, verse 21. In eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. They were just grabbing food greedily, and some were getting more than their share, it seems. Others were left out. And Paul said in, in verse 22, What? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God 
and shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. He went on to write in verse 27 and verse 29 about partaking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. The church at Corinth, it is an extreme case of taking it in an unworthy manner. But what is stated here in verse 17 through verse 22, while it is partaken in an unworthy manner, there is a more serious, I believe, unworthy manner in which the Lord's Supper can be partaken of. I go back to verse 29. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Note the next words carefully. Not discerning the Lord's body. Again, while we know that the elements of the supper are not the actual body and blood of Christ, all who partake in this ordinance should have a correct discernment of the actual body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There ought to be a holy reverence for the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone who partakes of the supper in the local church ought to be able to say, that body was broken for me, that blood was shed for me. There ought to be a right discernment of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 29, I'll mention this, the word damnation here means judgment. You partake of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, not correctly discerning the Lord's body. You as a child of God, me as a child of God, will bring judgment of God upon ourselves. Consider for a moment, if you would, in verse 29, not discerning the Lord's body. You ever just consider how precious that body of the Lord Jesus Christ is? Go with me to Hebrews in chapter 10. In the book of Hebrews and in chapter 10, I'm going to read verse 4 and verse 5. Hebrews 10, verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore? These wherefores are important. Wherefore? When he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body... Hast thou prepared me? Think on that for a moment. That body 
miraculously conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary, prepared by God himself. It was in this body that is mentioned here in verse 5, a body hast thou prepared me. It was in this body that our Savior suffered and died for our sins according to the Scripture. It was in this same body in which he was buried. It was in this same body that he rose again. It's in this same body that he ascended into heaven. It's in that same body that is now seated at the right hand of God, and in that same body he will come again. In our text, Paul said, you have to have a right discernment of the Lord's body. There's great danger. Notice what Paul told them. I'm going to read verse 29 again. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Then he added this, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep or are dead. Is it serious? Paul is writing here, This partaking of the supper in an unworthy manner, for that reason, members of the church at Corinth, it says here, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. It means many are dead. Many of the members at the church of God at Corinth were dead simply because they partook of the Lord's Supper, not rightly discerning the Lord's body. At this time when Paul did write this, many of the members of the church of God at Corinth were weak and sick because they were partaking of the supper in an unworthy manner. Now, here's what is important in this, and we need to, to keep this in mind. Verse 30, For this cause many are weak, and sickly among you, and many, uh, many sleep. If you go back to verse 28, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Verse 31, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. I mentioned earlier just in the announcement the Lord's Supper is a time for self-examination. Why is that examination important? And again, it must be a true examination. I can't examine you and you can't examine me. The Bible says in verse 28, let a man examine himself. And it says, so let him eat of that bread. But it also, we are told, Verse 31, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Verse 29, there are some that are going to suffer judgment here at Corinth. Verse 30, some are weak, many of them. 
Some are sick, many of them. Some have died because of this, many of them. It's important that we examine ourselves. And I believe according to the words of verse 28, when a true Christian examines themselves truthfully and seriously, they will correct whatever the wrong may be in themselves. And verse 28 says, and so let him eat. Even as you're partaking of the supper, self-examination, self-examination. I think we should start self-examination before the day we're going to take the Lord's Supper and just keep examining all the way up even while we are taking the Lord's Supper. Again, it's important. Why is it important? Notice verse 20. It is, the latter part of the verse, the Lord's Supper. The Holy Spirit had Paul give it that name. Jesus didn't call it that in the upper room. Holy Spirit had Paul give it that name. It is the Lord's Supper. Some can call it uh, communion. Some can call it some other name. The biblical name is the Lord's Supper. Brother Royce, come and lead us if you would. And let's stand together as we sing.